Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild Card Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Friday, August 27th, and we're bringing you a session from our recent member event, Fool Fest. I'm your usual Friday host, Dylan Lewis, but I will not be sticking around long. Today, we're going to be airing a session from our July member event, Crypto Plus a Foolish Portfolio. Crypto investor and Fool Germany analyst Bern Schmidt joined host Kate Herman to talk through his outlook on crypto, the opportunity, most interesting applications, and how to tell pretenders from contenders as investment opportunities. It's a great conversation for beginner and intermediate crypto investors alike, and a nice way for us to touch on a space we don't discuss much in our usual lineup of shows. Hope you enjoy. I am tickled to be joined today by Bern Schmidt. He heads up our Stock Advisor Germany uh, service. Um, Bern, this is going to be an exciting half hour. I'm really glad to be here with you. In Bern's daily work, he's responsible for finding the best companies to invest in in the German-speaking region, but he also has been diving deeply into the crypto space for the past two years. So you're here with an expert in the field today, um, and we're going to put all of that work and research to the test. You ready, Bernd? I'm ready. Okay, thanks awesome. so much for the introduction. Happy to be here. Excellent. Well, let's get started. First up, we know that fools who are watching today have opted into this uh, session. There's either experience in the crypto investing space, or perhaps we're joined by a few members who are just getting started and wanting to learn a little more. I think it would be wise to make sure we're all on the same page when we talk foolishly about investing in cryptocurrency. We're talking about what? the digital currency that you can use to buy things. There's an online ledger. We've got cryptography, um, blockchain technology. Burn, you've already lost me. Can you talk about blockchain technology and 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 get us started on, on sort of the basics of crypto before we really launch into a deeper dive? Yeah, blockchain technology. Blockchain, I think you, you understand best if you just think about it as a database uh, that, that is distributed in the web on different kinds of computers. And it's called blockchain because the database consists of individual blocks, which consists of the data that you want to have stored. And the blocks are uh, being yeah, changed together by cryptography. And that's where the term crypto comes from. So why are people so excited about blockchain technology? I think we've all been hearing and learning about crypto now for several years. Um, and it still sort of sometimes feels like it's just taking off and also sometimes feels like it's been here forever. Why is there still such excitement around this technology? I think one reason is there's a lot of people who got rich quick and mm. this attracts everybody <laughs> else. You buy Bitcoin in 2013 and uh, you're rich four years later or do the same thing in 2017. And uh, you don't know it might happen again. But I think the underlying uh, here is it's, it's not just superficial get rich quick scheme or something like this, but the technology itself and uh, the applications uh, that, that it enables is uh, very exciting. Uh, so I, I forgot who, but I think it was a venture capitalist. He, he talks about it like it's a second big layer on the internet technology. Uh, the first one was the web uh, in the mid nineties that enabled all of us to come online, to browse the web, to put up information there, to share information um, and yeah, everything that comes on top. And now blockchain technology is a next layer on top of it. It uh, not enables 
the sharing of information, but the sharing of value or the transaction of value. Like you and I, Kate, uh, I can send you a Bitcoin and, and in an instant, yeah, uh, you'll have this and it, it will be in your hand and you will control it. Um, and that's something that wasn't able uh, to be done before. In the mid 90s, you, you and I, we were not able to invest into the HTTP protocol or in the in JavaScript or something like this. We could buy Amazon in 1997, but even this was quite limited, right? Um, so today with the blockchain, you actually can invest into these protocols. You can invest in, in stuff that has been created. So you, like we as investors, we can be there at the very, very early stage. So fools are very familiar with investing in stocks. We have a long-term buy and hold philosophy that's very well known to people. Um, we recommend fools have at least 25 uh, investments in their portfolio. Crypto investments can count, yes? So help me understand what's what's the most simple, the, the easiest to understand thesis for owning crypto as part of an overall investment portfolio? Where does crypto fit in? Yeah, I think it, it really depends on the individual. Like if you dig deep into something, you try to understand something, you can think about it differently. But uh, from a perspective of an of investor, I think most of our members who don't dig into ourselves, they probably are in our services because we look at companies and recommend them. I would probably look at cryptos as very high growth stocks, very high risk, but very high potential reward. And I, I keep saying, I'm not even sure if it's a real joke. It might there might be some truth to it, but in crypto, it's the crypto market is like the stock market, except everything happens 10 times faster and 10 times more extreme. Like volatility is huge. Um, and also the historical Bitcoin cycle, if you can call it like this, uh, you have like a four-year cycle where, where Bitcoin goes up 50x and then falls by 80 to 90 percent. This happened already. It happened. So crypto uh, Bitcoin was brought into the world in, in 2008, I think, or was it January 2009, one of these two years. Uh, four years later, you had one, one high cycle in 2013, then 2017, maybe many people remember this. And now in 2021 or end of last year, it started again. We hear a lot about Bitcoin. I think that is um, certainly the, the, the most common term that you hear associated with this. How many different kinds of cryptocurrency are out there? Uh, I love this question, Kate. Uh, <laughs> one reason is I, I have a good answer to that, but that's not coming from me. I, I stole that from a, a guy called Jeff Dorman. So many people think about this space so differently. So it, it just puts a frame into it. And I, I give you my frame. So Jeff Dorman thinks about it into four big buckets into which you can put these different cryptos, let's call it, into. And the first one he calls real cryptocurrencies. Uh, so what is a currency? A currency is a medium of exchange. Like you and I, we can transact and I give you some, some currency for it. And you give me some, uh, like you, you sell me a piece of bread or something. Right. Um, Gummy so worm. Could, <laughs> gu oh, I love this. Haribo. Yes. <laughs> Canada invested in this company. See, you could, you could, um, maybe I'll talk soon. Anyway, so cryptocurrencies, it's like Bitcoin is a, a typical example for this. It is, a, yeah. You can also argue about it, how much of a medium exchange it is, but you cannot do much more with uh, Bitcoin than exchange the value and then hold this value yourself. So what do you do with the currency? So this is a cryptocurrency. Then the second of these four buckets would be platforms. Uh, these are, uh, Ethereum is uh, the most well-known and it's the second biggest crypto out there. Uh, a platform is something where you, you use the blockchain technology 
to implement uh, decentralized applications, for example. So there are applications um, that run on this blockchain, essentially. And uh, Jeff Dorman calls this uh, platforms. And you can invest in these platforms. So you can you can um, invest into Ether, for example, or into EOS would be another platform. And then uh, many more. The third bucket uh, he calls asset-backed tokens. An asset-backed token is also uh, a crypto, a token that you hold yourself. Like um, okay. So Bitcoin is a token, Ether is a token, everything are tokens, right? Okay. But asset-backed means there's a real asset value behind it. Okay. Uh, so for example, um, that you could tokenize real estate and it's already happening. Uh, for example, I know, I think of the Aspen Resort that is somewhere in the US, I don't even know exactly. This has been tokenized and these tokens can be uh, traded. Um, so this token has a real asset value behind it. And this is an asset-backed token. And the fourth big packet, the last one, would be pass-through tokens. So this is, is a token uh, it, that passes some value through to you and this, it's very individual. So I think a good example is if uh, one of the biggest crypto exchanges, I think out there, maybe the biggest one would be Binance. It's a lot in, in the news lately, but they have something called the Binance token. If you buy it and you trade on the exchange and depending on the number of tokens you hold, you get a discount on the trading fees or you're allowed to, to have bigger trades or something like this. Uh, so this would be a typical pass-through token. You buy it and it has an individual value to you. Like you trade a lot, um, you would like to own some Binance tokens just to make these trades um, easier. So just to summarize, th th these are the four big buckets, the cryptocurrencies, the platforms, the asset-backed tokens, and the pass-through tokens. In prepping for our conversation today, I was startled to find out that the total value of all cryptocurrencies on the market um, just last week was over $1 trillion US. Um, which certainly gets a fool's attention in terms of a potential investment. There definitely seems like so much opportunity there. And also, um, as more of a blue chip investor myself, uh, I, I can't stop but wonder, where's the stability in, in cryptocurrency? I, I know what a Disney or a Starbucks or an Apple is doing. I see their quarterly reports. I, I follow their movements. I can read in the news how they're doing. Where, what's the underpinning of cryptocurrency? Where is the stability coming from or not? Yeah, uh, that's probably not much stability. It is, uh, and, and it's, Think you're right. not it's, a, it's, a, it's a very new technology and there's so much innovation happening. It's even, I, it's not my full-time job, but I spend one or two days a week where I really try to understand this better. There's every day there's something new that I learn or, or something has changed. So, and, and it's just this disruption, uh, that, how, how is it called? This disruptive innovation that is happening. And yeah. uh, I think the stability, um, if you look at individual projects, well, that's how I would look at it. Like I don't invest in the space like an ETF and I won't own everything, but I think there's some really exciting projects out there. And um, if you just look at, at Bitcoin, where's the stability? If you look at the number of users of or the number of addresses, so addresses where you store not store your Bitcoin, but how you can access your Bitcoin. If you look at the number of individual addresses out there, it's kind of climbing relatively steadily. It is it is fluctuating, but not as crazily wild as the price is fluctuating. And I think the stability of this whole space comes from actually the increasing and the incremental number of users that is being drawn in by all these projects. And then many of them, I think, 10 years from now, 80 to 90%, maybe even more, won't be there anymore, but they will be 10% and they, they have will, and there will be others. 
I don't know how many that will have created real value. Like now they create real value, but overall the whole space, it brings in more and more users. And actually there's, uh, I don't have the exact number, but I think right now it's about 150 million uh, users in the whole crypto space. And uh, if you looked at the tra uh, trajectory, how it yep. has developed in the past. <laughs> yes, the trajectory. Um, the trajectory in the, and you lay it over, uh, uh, there might be a chart, lay it over the internet users that you had. Um, you actually see that with this 150 million, we're about where the internet was in the mid 90s. So we're coming back to this mid 90s type of theme where, where we are right now. And the development has been relatively um uh, comparable between the internet technology, the web technology, let's say, uh, internet users and blockchain users. And if you just continue this trajectory forward, you can expect about a billion internet users in the next uh, yeah, four to five years, I think at the latest. And um, I think that this is this is what I would see that the space is here to stay. And that's why even though internally there's a lot of volatility and there's a lot of disruption going on, coin, coins coming and going, um, it will grow. And it is here to stay. Fascinating. So, so let's get into it for the fools who are watching this breakout session and either have already taken the plunge and are looking for a new opportunity or are ready to, to dive into the space. How do we strip out the noise and figure out which investments here are legitimate and which ones might be a little more fly by night that we would want to avoid? How, how do you identify a legit crypto investment. There's two things I think that that where you, that I would look at right now are two most important things to see if something at least there might be something to it. One is the the user base is it growing? Um, so that, like, does it like, gain traction in terms of how many people are really uh, yeah using this thing? And the second one is there something does it solve a problem that adds value to somebody? Um, for example. Uh, Bring a negative example, Dogecoin. Uh, in Dogecoin, you have the first condition, which is fulfilled. You have, <laughs> you have increasing users. There are a lot of people who are interested in this thing. Uh, but for, I, I personally, and I, I could be totally wrong, and maybe something is coming, but I personally don't see any specific problem that Dogecoin is solving uh, that something else doesn't solve. Uh, so I, for example, would, would not think that Dogecoin is something of value. Uh, it, it might change. Uh, Elon Musk, I know <laughs> you probably know this, He's been pumping Dogecoin for whatever reason. I don't understand what's going on in this guy's mind for doing that. Yeah. But for example, he could come up with a use case, say, look, maybe maybe we'll make Dogecoin the, the currency of Tesla users. You can buy Tesla gimmicks. You can buy upgrades to, to your Tesla with Dogecoin and you might get discount. And suddenly there's a use case for Dogecoin. And uh, so, yeah, this, this could all change. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, these two things. Number of users, is it growing? Is there a network effect? Uh, and second, is there a real problem that is being solved and is there value for users? I think that's really helpful because just as as the stock market that people might be a little more familiar with tends to ride certain waves, so too does cryptocurrency. It was it was almost double its current value just two or three months ago in April. And now it's it's taken a bit of a dive, but still sitting well above a billion dollars. So um, knowing sort of where to start in that space and and what seems a little bit more of a of a smart choice. I'm not going to say a sure bet because there's no such thing in investing, but <laughs> um, how we can kind of take that plunge. So if I were to put money into crypto, um, 
how much should it be? Let, let's, let's assume I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good compliant fool and I have 25 plus investments across my portfolio. We'll start with that premise. Um, how, how, much, how much weight should this have in my portfolio? Yeah, I think this is so individual. Um, it really depends on, on you. Uh, for example, somebody in their retirement who's living off their portfolios, I wouldn't recommend. I would recommend a co completely different thing than than somebody who's just starting their career has a little bit of money to invest, but is expecting his his income to be much higher than than his portfolio probably. Um, how I would think about it in general is, I, I, and if I start with this, and and I don't know much about it, I just want to learn. Think about it as one growth stock that you want to put into your portfolio. You're excited about whatever Netflix or, or the latest uh, rule breakers recommendation, which I don't know which it is, but you know, you want to invest in it, just build one position. It's one stock, um, get a feel for it. And uh, yeah, start with one or two cryptocurrencies that, that you're kind of familiar with um, and, and understand a little bit. And then I think you can expand from it. Like I think for, um, if you really understand it well, you get really good advice. Um, also what's important here is this long-term thinking always, but I think you could potentially replace also, if you always say you want to have 25 positions in your portfolio and um, you're an investor who's, who just likes this number because you can have an overview and you don't want to have more, you might replace other growth stocks with these cryptos. So, um, and I don't know where, where the limit is, I would never put 100% of my portfolio to, even if it's 50 different cryptos, because they're all yeah going up and down with Bitcoin right now still. And if you, for whatever reason, need some money and you need to liquidate at a 90% drop, uh, yeah, uh, it hurts a lot. So it, I don't know where the limit is. Uh, for me personally, I, I have quite a lot, uh, but in, let's say in, of my fifth, yeah, 30 positions that I have, I have probably 15 crypto positions. Um, but this is also because I think I, I understand these things I'm relatively well. And, and I would not recommend, though, for a beginner to, uh, yeah, uh, to go yeah. that far. Well, and so in that zone, um, what what concerns do you have about this this space in the market, the crypto space? What what are you what are you watching? What are you worried about, if anything? So in terms of the market itself, actually, I'm not that worried. Um, so there's a lot of uh, things going on with China trying to ban Bitcoin, or at least, I'm not sure if you've heard, but they advise some miners to stop operating. They don't want this. Um, or also the, the taxation discussion, I think Joe Biden brought up a month or two ago. Um, and then there was a third thing and all happened at the same time and suddenly the market crashes. And regulation is another topic that is not so clear, like our there's these things called non-fungible tokens, which might be asset-backed or backed by something, by art, for example. Are these securities or not? Like, are people, like, which kind of people, like, what kind of restrictions should there be? What kind of disclosures should there be? And um, so th there's a lot of open, um, or how to say, there's a lot of, yeah, uncertainty in the sense of how much regulation will there be? How will China react? How will other countries react? Um, it doesn't really concern me in the market, though, because I'm, I'm quite convinced that the use case is there, the applications are there, and uh, they will they will prevail, let's say. Um, however, for individual projects and also individual investors, it's just a lot of uncertainty. Like, what do you do with this China information? What do you do with yeah, tax, uh, yeah, this, um, yeah, taxation? And, and also there's a lot of... Uh, Actually, one thing that, that disturbs me a lot is uh, this tribalism in the space. Um, mm. you, 
I've never believed it, but the, the most extreme is the so-called, there's these Bitcoin maximalists. I'm not sure if they themselves call them like this, but these are the guys who say Bitcoin is the only real thing. All other cryptos are coins. You're probably sorry for, for saying that, but they're very open and they say everything is crap. Only Bitcoin, Bitcoin solves everything. And there's really people and smart people and with actually quite convincing arguments who believe that. Um, and, the, yeah, and then you have other tribes who believe the one thing, and then you have the Ethereum crowd. I think you should approach this whole thing with an open-mindedness and be open. Like, maybe Bitcoin is the only thing. Maybe it will really turn out to be that way. But right now, I, for example, I don't see this as the most likely scenario. And uh, to bring it back, what concerns me is that somebody yeah, who's just starting into this, he might get distracted very early on by, like, why is this guy saying that and this guy saying the opposite? And and both, yeah, it's it's really tough to navigate as a user or, or as a yeah, an investor in in this market. It makes perfect sense, um, and I think it would explain why some people are very excited to dive in uh, if they tend to be more rule breaker minded investors, and and they're excited to be first in the space. And it and it also helps explain why some other folks aren't aren't willing just yet to even consider it as part of their portfolio. So this is very helpful in terms of seeing the bigger picture. How how big could this bigger picture get? How how big is, is crypto going to get in the marketplace, do you think? Big. Um, it really depends <laughs> also how you define it. But if you look at it, now you have 1 trillion. The space is about 1 trillion. I think the number that you mentioned, it was 2 trillion two, three months ago. Yep. And um, how big is this? So I'm not sure about the Amazon market cap right now, but it's two or three times that size, I think. It's two or three trillion. Maybe it's already in the fourth. I don't even know the exact number. But this is just compared to one stock. And then if you look into the space, I won't be able to communicate what is happening in the space in even a short time, even because I probably understand only 50 or probably 10% of it. Um, But for example, you can... With these tokens, let's just start with like bring one specific use case just to bring to people who are probably not that deep into this, like what you can do with it or what, what might happen is tokenization of real assets, these asset-backed tokens, like sport athletes, um, somebody in the young age, they might tokenize essentially their career. They can say, look, these tokens, they represent 10% of whatever salary I'm going to earn for my professional football club contracts or something like this, or b- basketball club contracts. Sure. And these things are, are most, in my opinion, I think they are inevitable, inevitable to happen. And uh, so you tokenize, you tokenize art. And yeah, if you bring all this together, I think the space a 10x is, is very likely to come. And 10x also, it sounds crazy, but um, if you just think about gold, the gold has a market capitalization. I don't even know all the gold that has been dug out of the ground in a, a couple of last 5,000 years. Mm. It has a value of, I don't know, 12 trillion or something like this. So this is already 10 times the size of the whole crypto space. And many people, and I also think about, about Bitcoin as a digital gold kind of alternative, let's say it like this. Um, for me, yeah. This, and so I think Bitcoin can at least match the valuation of gold at some point. Um, it, it, or let's say like this, it would make sense for me. It wouldn't be completely irrational to think that along this, you have already a 10X. And then you add all this tech tokenization, you have asset-backed tokens, and then these asset-backed tokens, they're going to trade on, on exchanges um, which operate on the blockchain. And so I think 100 trillion, is, is it sounds insane, but I, I don't think it's a number that is completely out of the, uh, it's completely crazy. I think it's, I'm not sure how likely this scenario is going to happen, that this space really will cover all the use cases that people are thinking now. There might be other technologies also coming, but um, I, 
I'm expecting the 10x or uh, in the long term, 100x as, as a possible scenario. I mean, that is extraordinary to think about. Uh, and for those watching who like to deal in real numbers, today's current market cap for Amazon is 1.9 trillion. Okay. Uh, and as of 2017, the value of all the gold in the world would have exceeded $7.5 trillion. So uh, those are those are the numbers okay. we're dealing with today. Uh, so you heard it here first. Burned is is projecting that Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies could be bigger than all of it. <laughs> <laughs> is there a scenario where a company like an Amazon or, um, you know, a Starbucks, do they reach a point where they dabble somehow in the digital currencies market? If I'm not mistaken, it was an Amazon or Mercado Libre, one of the two, they were, I think, in Brazil or in Argentina, somewhere in South America. No, it was a smaller country, Peru, maybe. They were experimenting. So just throwing out countries. South America, one country, they were experimenting, I think, with a kind of token as a form of payment, if I'm not completely mistaken. But quite sure they're trying these things out. Uh, what I don't know if it, uh, it also depends on the use case. Uh, for example, you can actually... Um, there's a guy called Jared Digger, if I'm not mis mistaken, and um, he's very much into this. Um, it's called DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, and he's talking to people who are projecting that actually, uh, and actually, his idea is also that, for example, at Disney, they might bring a token to the market uh, where they say. Mm, Whoever owns this token or owns a certain number of tokens, they might have access to certain gimmicks, uh, like movies that Disney can see uh, streaming. They might even be able to influence the next movie that Pixar is bringing or something like this. Um, and I think companies can, can use this. Um, but why I was so hesitant in the beginning with my answers, uh, what I think that, that blockchain can do is actually disrupting a lot of these companies also. Um, because what blockchain and the technology I can do is they will remove the middleman of, of a lot of applications. So wherever you have somebody sitting in the middle and, and um, having yeah coordinating transactions, um, I think the, potentially just in a very broad sense, this can could be theoretically replaced by a, by a blockchain. And so so an eBay, for example, you you don't need an eBay there. You could have a protocol that is completely independent, sitting somewhere on a, on a on a on a, one of these platforms. And uh, yeah, uh, all these things are managed transactions are happening. Um, so I think as much as, as they will probably try these things out, um, from an investor perspective, from an outside perspective, I would also look at the disruption potential of these companies. Yeah. Oh, if I can have one more example, I, I didn't bring up the best examples, but there's uh, one of the tokens I'm most excited in and force, full disclosure, I think it's my second biggest position in the crypto space. It's a token called Theta. And I also have to disclose that I, I don't understand the full details of it um, completely. It's just big because it has grown so fast. Um, it is, uh, it's essentially what they're doing. They make it, in my terms, a decentralized YouTube. And uh, I don't know how much you have been affected by or, or seen the censoring that is going on on YouTube. Um, but uh, I think that's a big use case um, in that. And this Theta token, it essentially, it, and it could even be bigger than YouTube. They, uh, what they want to do is um, the whole so-called content delivery network to be replaced by essentially the data centers where, for example, the movies are stored and then streamed to the people. They could be replaced by a decentralized network of you and I. You and I on our laptop, we run so-called nodes of this data network. We get compensated with a, with a currency in this data network uh, for operating these nodes, providing our bandwidth of the internet or our computer resources. And um, yeah, this could eventually replace Google or YouTube data centers. 
That's incredible. And and am I reading right that the uh, uh, price the price of a token for Theta right now is about four dollars ninety five cents US. So for about five bucks, you could you could get a Theta token. Uh, that could be that hurts really. <laughs> so I bought it when it was a couple of cents, and it was already thirteen dollars two months ago. Could be that it's yeah. Something has certainly happened in the crypto market in these past two to three months that has caused caused things to drop by about half. But what we would say to fools, if it was the stocks that we that we recommend when when they go on sale, that's a good time to really plug in and and figure out what a what a solid investment in that space might be. My final question to you, Bern, is what are you most excited about in the crypto space? As we move forward from here, if, if there are fools watching who are on the fence, if there are fools who are excited as well and, and just looking for someone who's excited as they are, what is it? What, what is, is sparking your interest here for the long haul? I think the technology is here to stay. And I think a lot of these protocols and, and applications that have been developed today have really good use cases and are really useful. And we today, we can invest into them. And I think this is really good. And what I'm excited about is that, that there are already people out there who will bring light to it, who, who try to remove the, the noise from the signal. Like we want the signal and there's so much noise out there. And I think this is going to happen. Um, the, for us as investors, at least, what right now is not really good in the space is uh, the, uh, how do you call it? The use experience. It's really tough to, to use these protocols, even to run a theta node. What I just brought up is one of the simpler examples. You can download it and do it. Uh, but there's, I like the EOS network, but you have to have this wallet. And it's really, tech, and yeah, somebody who's not really grown up with this, I think it, it's just tough. And this still keeps a lot of people out. And I think this will change though in the next two to three, four years. I, I believe probably. 90% of the people in the space, they think about how to improve the user experience, how to make it that people actually don't feel that they interact with a new technology, but they're, they're used to this. And I think once this happens, like there, there could be another tipping point where really, like I mentioned before, we have about 150 million crypto users. These are the early adopters who really like them and they don't mind all this headache going into this. But I think in the next two, three, four years, uh, there will be this point where it will become so much easier to use that, that even somebody who says ah, too much for me says, oh, that sounds easy. Let's try it out. And uh, I think this can get very exciting. All right, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for all his work behind the glass today, and thank you for listening. Until next time, Fool on. <laughs>